Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. I am Daniel Blue. As always, I am joined by the one, the only, the co-host, Kitas Spears, aka High Key. What's up, winners? I'm probably your best intro for me. So I thank know, you. you're, dude. I'm kind of <laughs> hyped up right now. There I had a keep a, it coming. A, yeah, I had a really good workout this morning. I'm still on my cut, so I got a lot more energy. And uh, I literally was about to Google. This is how dumb I am, guys. Does water have calories? Right? Because I'm at 2,200 calories. Like that's my intake every single day. And uh, I was golfing yesterday about like seven o'clock at night and I had a truly and the truly said a hundred calories. I'm like, okay, I can have one or two of these. So if <laughs> capped off. Yeah. So if you're cutting right now, winners, it sucks, right? Cause you want to eat food, but you also want to look good. You want to have that energy, right? So yes, uh, definitely. Where, summer's here. That's where that cutting comes in. Speaking of summer. Uh, we've got a really awesome guest. He uh, lives in a couple different places. And the re- reason I say summer is because um, he's really close to some beaches and uh, really excited to have our guest. Uh, just a uh, an awesome entrepreneur crushing it in social media, uh, has a few different businesses, but does really well in the e-com space. And uh, he's got uh, a seven-figure Amazon FBA seller business. He's doing 5 million in e-com sales. He's done... Uh, 200,000 YouTube subs. That's awesome. I'm really excited to dive into that because I'm pretty sure our guest did not have a shitload of views on his first few videos, right? So like, we want to get into that journey. It has over a thousand students. And uh, so he's the one, the only Travis Marziani. Travis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, buddy. Well, uh, I, I just, this just came naturally. Travis, you've done a lot of shows, right? Don't you hate because I've been on shows too, where the host is like, now tell me a little bit about yourself. You do your bio better than, than I would. Um, tell me about yourself. I'm like, motherfucker, I sent you a press kit. I sent you my <laughs> bio. Like you should know enough about me. So I won't do that to you, Travis. I'm not, that never bothers me. I'm always happy to like, I feel like it's on automate now and it's, you know, it's a, it's fun for people to get the, you know, cause I, I had a lot of struggles early on. And I think a lot of people see successful, whatever success means like entrepreneurs. And they're like, oh man, it was easy for them. They didn't have to go through what I did. I'm like, no, it was a struggle. And so it it never bothers me. I'm always happy to talk about it, but you know, it it wasn't always easy times. Yeah, for for (laughs) sure. Let's, um, let's get into it. So I think everyone and anyone would love to have 200,000, you know, YouTube subscribers. I I would say though, you know, if you were selling feet pictures on OnlyFans and you had, you know, a hundred thousand (laughs) subscribers, would you want that or what Travis has? That's debatable, right? Maybe another podcast for that, but how did, how did you get the YouTube channel started? Was that always a goal of yours? When did you get it started? Kind of take us from the very beginning, how all of that went down. Yeah. So to explain that, I kind of got to go a step further back. And the quick version of you know my intro, my story is that I had a corporate job. You know, I actually, I got good grades. I was always doing what I was supposed to do, got the corporate job. And the first year was kind of fun because I'd made it, right? Like I got the good paying job, everything, everything I was supposed to get. But by my second year, I was like, is this it? Is this it for the next 45 years? I read the four hour work week. And, I, and that, it, that put into words everything I was thinking about. It's like, quit your job, start an e-commerce business, create a passive income business. And I'm like, yes, I want this. And there was a lot of fear before I actually made you know the plunge and quit my job. But when I finally quit my job, <laughs> well, there's a lot of struggle. And I tried a lot of different things, but I was eventually able to make some money, not a ton of money, but I was enough to pay the bills. And so I started the YouTube channel around that time just to show people, hey, this is what I've learned, not at all claiming I'm some kind of an expert. But what where my channel actually started to spike, I mean, it didn't spike until probably three, four, five hundred videos, but eventually I started taking it a little bit more seriously. And the reason it spiked, one of the biggest reasons was I found a method to sell online that really worked for me. Because before I was you know, making maybe 20, 30, $40,000 a year, and I was working 40 hours a week, maybe 50, 60 hours a week. And then I created a business that I was actually passionate about. It's the, the nut butter business we were talking about. It's a macadamia coconut cashew blended nut butter. And that within two months of launching on Amazon, and look, there was a lot of work that I put into this. I cashed out my 401k to do the first production run. But within two months of launching it on Amazon, I was making $10,000 profit, like after you know, 30,000 revenue, $10,000 profit a month. And that just kept happening month after month, even though I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't really working on it as actively as maybe I should have, because I'd been at that point working so hard as an e-commerce entrepreneur for the last five years. I was like, oh, wow, I finally did this. And I started traveling a little bit. And again, not to say it's easy, but the money 
kept coming in. And I was like, wow, this is a really cool opportunity. And at that point, I shared my story on YouTube and I had a video, quote unquote, go viral. And, and then from there, I started seeing the patterns and I started learning how to make good YouTube videos and what people want to see. And I, I can go into details about that if you want. Yeah. I mean, I think Kita and, and you might have already picked on this. You're writing some down right now, but what I really picked on is he said, and, and winners, you guys really need to pay attention to this. He just said that my channel didn't start to get traction until I was at like 400 videos, 400 videos guys. Like it's doesn't happen overnight, right? Like how many of those videos bombed before that, right? Like those, the first, you know, you probably had a couple of videos with like two views, right? Oh, Just yeah. like oh, yeah. not, not good. Right. So it's like, guys, it, it comes in the reps. So that, that's a really cool story on how you just kept going, man. And you, you didn't front from the very beginning. People want to be able to relate to something that they can, you know, feel part of. Absolutely. I think uh, I help a lot of, or I talk to a lot of people that want to start YouTube channels and they're like, well, I'm going to wait until I make it and I'm making a ton of money. My people don't want to see that. They want to see the real story. They want to see the growth and just be wherever you're at. And, you know, even now it's like, okay, six figures, um, in profit with this business. I'm not out there saying, Hey, I'm making $10 million because that's not representative of what I'm doing. But still there's people that are making zero in into them. They're like, how do I go from zero to six figures profit? Like I want that. Definitely. What, what was the, that first viral video that maybe got some more attention to your page that may have got, you know, the internet exposed to who you are? You know, yeah. So the the one that I'm talking about that really took off was a video where I talked about my first year selling on Amazon. And we can go into detail about this. I did so much research on that video. I was one of the things I did is I started paying attention to what videos are doing well on YouTube. And I saw a pattern. I saw that all these different Amazon uh, YouTubers are sharing their their first year, their first six months. And I'm like, oh, duh. And before that, what I was before that, I was just general e-commerce. I mean, I was we could go back and look. I think I was technically one of the first e-commerce entrepreneurs. I was not one of the most successful ones early on because I didn't <laughs> know what I was doing. But I think I was one of or e-commerce entrepreneurs on YouTube, I should say. Uh, but I was so, I was so broad that it wasn't interesting to people. I was like, yeah, I talk about e-commerce. I used to do like a a weekly e-commerce news thing. But once I figured out, okay, my thing that I'm going to focus on is selling on Amazon. It allowed people to conceptualize what I do. It allowed people to know, uh, allowed people to have a search term for me because not a lot of people are searching e-commerce, but a lot of people were searching Amazon FBA. How do I sell on Amazon? And I'm like, okay, I've been doing e-commerce at, at this point, I've been doing e-commerce for like nine years and Amazon for seven years. So I always thought my focus was on e-commerce in general, but once I realized, and this is you know maybe a, a good principle for a lot of people is I need to niche down. I need to get to a really core audience. And then now I'm starting to be at the point where I'm one of the bigger Amazon YouTubers that like, okay, maybe I can expand a little bit, but without losing those roots. So it's starting really niche is I think a really important part of it. I think that's huge. I think every entrepreneur that we've had on the show has eventually gotten to the point where they're like, you know what? I'm spreading myself way too thin. If I just laser focus in on just one criteria or one specific group of audience that I'm trying to hone in on, I can have way more impact and the proofs in the pudding over a thousand students um, now work with you and learn from you. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of niche, right? Like uh, Kita and I, our niche is helping people access money in their retirement accounts, penalty and tax free. So Travis, we could have saved you a bunch of money and penalties and taxes <laughs> when you cashed out that 401k back then, man. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and you know, a lot of people at the time said, and I'm look, I'm financially, I'm sure it's not the best decision or, you know, things like that. But at the same point for me, I, I needed that, uh, it's a, it's a longer story. I needed that little bit of income, and I mean, I turned it into a much bigger business. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I don't no, know. A it was a great no. It was a great decision, right? I mean, uh, like I literally just got off the phone, Kita, with e Yvonne. Yvonne is oh, yeah. you know. So we have a, a client of ours, Travis. She sells. So during COVID, she sold a bunch of top ramen, crushed Killed it. it. Yeah. Uh, right now, she just took out $20,000 from her account with us, penalty and tax free. That was really the point I was trying to make with you is like, hey, man, there's a way that you actually can pull the money out, penalty and tax free, buy the product, invest into the business, and you're doing all this without creating any taxable event. So she literally just took out $20,000 today to buy a wow. bunch of nail polish. And she's investing that in her business, right? So, you know, guys, listen to what Travis is saying in the sense of like, 
you have resources, you have tools, right? Like Travis, you were committed on making something happen. And, uh, you know, obviously there's risk with every investment, right? Stocks, businesses. So that's, that's all there. Um, going back to your content, your channel, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up on like, man, like, I don't even know what I would talk about. Like this guy, Travis did 400 videos before he gained traction. Like, what would I even talk about? Like 400 videos? That's a lot. Like, I think people have that imposter syndrome as far as like, just not knowing what to, to speak upon. What are some things, and, and this is someone that, let's just say is kind of niched down, you know, it does have, you know, some kind of business or business idea, whether it's a service or a product. Um, what are maybe some questions or some exercises that they can ask themselves, go through to help them come up with some content ideas that can turn into video content, for example, on YouTube? Yeah, there's a lot of different strategies to do this. I mean, for me, one of the strategies that worked is every time I learn something, just go share that with other people. And because I put a lot of, when I learn something new, I want to understand it from as many different angles as possible. And to me, teaching is part of the learning experience because until you can explain it, you don't really understand it. So anytime you learn something new, share it, create a video about it. And one thing actually I want to quickly say is most of those 400 videos weren't very good. Like a lot of them were embarrassingly bad, but I, I mean, I'm sure you guys are used to hearing that kind of stuff. That's that's okay. And so for someone that is looking to start a YouTube channel, what are the common questions that people have? Just get on camera right here and just record and say, hey, you know, this, I mean, you probably could do better than this, but a, a common question people have is X, Y, and Z. Here's the answer. I mean, really, if you're, if you're going to make a good YouTube video, you don't need to repeat the question. Just put the question in the title. It's like how to sell a product on Amazon. Here are the seven steps. Um, and so one strategy that think people could use is Think about the big picture. What, is, what do people really want? And then you can also break it down into smaller steps. So I might do a video on how to sell on Amazon, seven steps to selling on Amazon. And then step one is product research. Well, that could be its own separate video. In fact, that could be 20 separate videos because there's not one way to do product research. There's 20 different ways. And I could do you know, a crazy method I used, a crazy product research method that found me a $50,000 a month product. That's one video. Another one is complete product research tutorial. That's another one. How to do product research using XYZ tool. That's another one right there. So it's just, and actually one of my favorite strategies is find other people that are in the space, sort their videos by their most popular videos and look for patterns. And as I mentioned, I noticed that all the top Amazon uh, YouTubers at the time, their most viewed videos were either tutorials or stories about them selling on Amazon. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do a story talking about my first year. And I find that again and again for me, tutorials do really well and then stories do really well. So now I actually have a lot of videos on my channel where I have students come on and they share all their numbers. They share what their product is. They share all their mistakes. People love that because it's I started off the trend by being really honest and saying, hey guys, this is how much money I made. This is the revenue, but let's break that down. Let's, let's go over all the costs and show you everything. And then I talk about my story. Then I talk about all the mistakes I made. And if you're about to sell on Amazon, it's like, you want to see that? What are these mistakes? You know, I, I made a mistake that cost me $100,000. Ooh, how do we avoid that? So I, I, to answer your original question, I think look at other people in the space and get inspired, even related things. So I might go look at the top Shopify YouTubers or the top affiliate marketing YouTubers and see what patterns I see. So another one might be, is Amazon FBA dead? It's like, yeah, if you're about to sell on Amazon, you probably want to know, is this dead? Is it over? And I'm going to make a video about that and say, hey, here's why it is dead. Here's why it's not. So it's almost funny for me to answer that because I feel like I've got more ideas than I possibly have time to make the videos. So it's, it, yeah, it's hard for me to remember what it's like not to have the ideas. That's, that's, I feel like it's almost like a, a perspective or a paradigm shift with this is, you know, you go into it so green thinking that you have one, nothing to talk about. B, there is all the topics have been covered, so there's no reason to talk about it. And then when the actual truth of the matter is, is that everybody still needs all the same information. Maybe the way you say it is completely different than the current video out there. And that's cool. what resonates with that individual that makes them take action in, in what you're trying to offer them or trying to teach them. No, I'll, I'll add on to that. Yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, I notice myself with my YouTube patterns. If I find a topic that I like, so for instance, I was recently looking to buy a house here in Santa Monica. And so I was watching a ton of videos about is the housing market about to crash? Even though they all would say the same thing. I was just like, what's this person's perspective? What's this? And then every once in a while, someone would have a, you know, a, a completely different perspective. 
And I was just like, all right, I just want to get as much data as possible. And the same thing's true, you know, with my field with selling on Amazon, selling on e-commerce. And I get that a lot on my videos where people are like, wow, you were able to explain this so much better than other people. But then I go look at other people's videos and they have the same comment. So it's just different styles of communicating, like you said. That's so funny. So like for the folks listening right now, I want to talk about FBA, more specifically Amazon and e-commerce and what you actually do for the most part, besides uh, talking about it on YouTube. So like for someone who doesn't understand FBA, what, what is FBA? Yeah. So Amazon FBA, it's a way for you to sell your products on Amazon. And what makes it interesting and different is that you actually send your inventory into the Amazon's warehouse. And when you get a sale on Amazon's website, Amazon picks, packs, and ships out the product for you. They fulfill the product for you. That's what FBA stands for, fulfilled by Amazon. And what's cool about this, and look, I want to be completely transparent. It does take some work up front to get your business. It's a real business. You're starting Imagine a real that. business. Imagine yeah. that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it, there's this line I always try to straddle with my YouTube videos. It's like, I don't want to scare people away, but I also don't want to give them unrealistic expectations because yeah. it's like, I, I think about the amount of work I've put into my business and it was so worth it, even though there was times where I'm like, oh, this is hard. So to finish your question off is a lot of people don't realize for one, that you can sell products on Amazon. And then the other thing is they don't realize that Amazon will actually take care of the fulfillment. On top of that, Amazon, just to throw some numbers out there, I think Amazon has 148 million prime customers in the United States. That's people that pay Amazon money to be able to shop on their website. And so they've already got the traffic. They've already got all these people going there buying things. And what people do is they go to Amazon, they type something in the search bar. For instance, with my product, it's a ketogenic friendly nut butter. So they might type in keto nut butter and they look at all the different products and they pick one and they buy it. And so if I'm selling this product on Amazon, it's so much easier than trying to sell on your own website because Amazon already has the customers. Plus when they go click purchase and they buy it, Amazon ships it out for me versus with my own e-commerce website. You can you can get companies to do the fulfillment for you. Um, but generally speaking, you're you know, originally you had to do your own fulfillment. That's what my original e-commerce business did. We did our own manufacturing. We did our own fulfillment. Uh, we had to drive customers to the website and it was just so much more complicated. With my Amazon business, I hired someone to do the manufacturing. Once I got the listing set up, it, and I, I, I'm always careful saying this, but it was relatively passive. Every once in a while, every month or two, I'd have to go and order more inventory, send it into the warehouse, but the sales just kept coming in. And it's this cycle because as you get sales, you get more reviews. And as you get more reviews, you go higher up in the search results and more sales. Now, obviously at, at some point, you know, I, I had some pretty big competitors come in. So I'm not saying it's passive income for the rest of your life, but I spent a, a couple of years just traveling and making money. And I was, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And that's why my YouTube channel got some attention was people were people saw that and they're like, wow, this is a really cool lifestyle. So yeah, that's what Amazon FBA is. Nice. That's awesome. So when you buy the product and then you send it to uh, Amazon for them to house, then they ship out the product, right? So, so they just hold on to this product at one central location, like somewhere in Louisville. And that's the Uh, one look. They have multiple different um, warehouses all over the country. That's part of the reason they're able to offer the two-day shipping. Yeah. So I would send it in oftentimes. I'd, I'd send a whole pallet in. So, you know, a thousand units of my product into the California, the local, and it's probably like three miles away um, warehouse. And then from there, some whatever Amazon does is whatever they do. Oftentimes I could see <laughs> that they'd, they'd break it apart and they'd send it to different locations depending on uh, where okay. demand is. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And look, they do charge you for that, but it is so worth it because part of, if you are selling um, using FBA, you're prime eligible, which means, and if you're prime eligible, you get way more sales because people want their stuff in two days. I mean, I look at my buying habits. I almost never buy something unless it's prime nowadays. (laughs) So true. If you're going to pay the 12 bucks a month, might as well get it there in two days. Yeah, exactly. So like for the folks that are looking in FBA, like, damn, this sounds like a great idea. Who is it for? Is this for, you know, grandma who's retired and has nothing but free time? Is this for the college student who's trying to make some money in between class? Is this for someone who's, you know, corporate and got some money saved up that wants to work the four hour work week? Who is it actually for? 
So I do think anybody can do it. Now, should everybody do it? Probably not. I mean, it's, it's someone in my mind that's willing to put in the work up front to be able to create a business, to create a system. Well, there's, there's actually more than one way to do it. I, I prefer to create the business up front, create the system and kind of let things slide or not slide. That's not the right word. Let things like just go on their own, you know, like, a, like, like building a machine. I have friends I have one friend that he ended up doing over $70 million in e-commerce sales. He was a bull. He's like, all right, I'm going to create this machine, but then I'm going to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I think it completely depends on your personality type. Uh, I, I have one student that I actually partnered with. His product's back here. It's uh, called Cocktail Cards. And he didn't really have a lot of money to start the business. And his story is it's actually an incredible story. He was a bartender. He lost his job during the pandemic. Like mm. I'm sure a lot of bartenders did. He ended up joining my program and we, we were talking and I had this idea for him. I'm like, why don't you create flashcards on cocktails? And there was nothing like that at the time. Um, just on one side could be the cocktail with some cool information about it. And on the flip side is a recipe on how to make it. And there was a lot of cocktail books on Amazon, but nobody was selling cocktail flashcards. And there's tools where you can actually see what people are searching on Amazon. And I saw that people were searching cocktail flashcards, bartending flashcards, cocktail recipe cards, like all these things. I'm like, dude, no one's selling this product. You have a passion for making cocktails. You understand this space. Why don't we create this product? He's like, look, I don't have a lot of cash to start. I'm like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a Kickstarter. Uh, actually, technically, he did an Indiegogo, but crowdfunding. And the way for anyone listening that doesn't understand it with crowdfunding, you don't you don't have to give anybody the product until after they give you the money. Basically, people are pre-ordering. So he ended up raising around five thousand dollars. He went on TikTok and said, "Wow, you know, look at this product. Um, I already raised five thousand dollars." Then he ended up by the end of his campaign raising over a hundred thousand dollars because his TikTok went viral. So that hundred thousand dollars, he was able to raise that without spending pretty much any money. I think he bought a little bit of like some alcohol to make TikTok videos showing off the cards. But for the most part, he basically spent nothing, was able to raise $100,000, put all that money towards production uh, to get the, the product made. And then he ended up launching it on Amazon. And in his first, he's only been doing this for a few months now on Amazon. In his first three months, he's done over $140,000 in revenue, which is like wow. $50,000 profit in three months. And he's like, dude, this is more money than I made at my bartending job. And I had to work, you know, crazy hours at that. So, I mean, look, I'm not, he put in work though, right? He did the TikTok. He did all that kind of stuff. So in my opinion, it's not for lazy people. Like if, if someone's looking for a get rich quick scheme, I don't think they exist, uh, but I don't think it's for them. I think it's for the people that are willing to put in the work up front and create a, it's like building a car, right? It takes a lot of work to build a car and you're not getting anywhere. But once you got that car built, as long as you keep the gas and the engine, it's going to keep going. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to break down. It's like, yeah, do your maintenance. You might have to fix some stuff, but it's a lot more efficient than trying to walk everywhere you go for the rest of your life. That's my thought. I never had them even put it like that. That's honestly, you probably use that car analogy for anything in business. You know, you build it once it's built up, as long as you maintain it, it beats the hell out of walking there. It's a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most people are, in their corporate job, they're walking. They're like, oh, I'm going to get to retirement. And it's like, cool. It's going to take you a while, but you know, or you could, and that's the thing. I mean, all kinds of businesses, it's just so easy. I don't want to say so easy. It's so much easier to automate them and systematize them, especially with Amazon, because they'll allow you to use all the systems they've already built. And so then the other part of it for me, I ended up hiring virtual assistants to answer all the customer service stuff. And you know, I don't know if for anyone that's read the four hour work week, it was like, that was my Bible for a long time. Yeah. That's uh, a, that book really definitely was a game changer for a lot of people. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that book came out what, 10, 20 years ago. I mean, it's not this fresh book that just came out a couple <laughs> years ago. No, it's not. It's Tim Ferriss, right? Yeah. Tim Ferriss. There's definitely some outdated stuff in it, yeah. but for the, the principles, yeah, the principles are there and they, they make a lot of sense. Yeah. He probably references like the flip phone, and, you know, <laughs> the Motorola yeah. razor, American online. So, um, real quick. So like, I noticed that you talk about creating a product a lot and anyone who, you know, knows a little bit about FBA, 
they also know there's like the arbitrage where you can go into okay. Walmart and, you know, go find some Lego sets that are on clearance, send that off to Amazon. Do you recommend creating something like on your own? Like for example, um, the performance nut butter, or does it make more sense to just get your foot in the game for cash flow to just, you know, find something at Walmart? What do you recommend? I mean, it's, yeah, it's whatever you're comfortable with. Obviously for me, re the reason I don't like retail arbitrage is because you got to constantly go out hunting, finding deals. So you're kind of a slave to your own business. Like it doesn't, unless you're going to hire someone to go do that for you, it's not really scalable. Um, and that's why I, my thing has been passive income since I quit my corporate job. My goal when I quit my corporate job is I want to make six figures, $100,000 a year, at least profit, passive income. Meaning my definition of passive is like four hours. If I work four hours a week to maintain it, that's pretty freaking passive and location independence. So again, with retail arbitrage, that's not located. You can't be living in Thailand uh, doing that. You can't be living in Mexico doing retail arbitrage. And so right now I'm in Santa Monica and I love it here, but everything's double the price. And luckily, I mean, I'm at a point now, you know, I, I've had to change my mindset and realize, okay, I'm making 10 times more than I did back at my corporate job. I can afford to pay Santa Monica prices. But in my early days of my entrepreneurship, the fact that I had location freedom meant that my dollar went a lot farther. Like down, we were talking about, you know, I, I bought a house on the beach down in Mexico. And when I go down there, I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying that I don't feel like a king here, but I feel like a, a king down there because it's just everything's so cheap. And, you know, so retail arbitrage. Yeah. It's a great way to start. Like if for people that are unsure about selling on Amazon, sure. Um, but to me, if you want to create a, the other thing about retail arbitrage is not really easy to create a million dollar business doing that. Mm -hmm. It's not really easy to create passive income. So if you need to make some extra cash, you need to understand how Amazon works. Great. Like definitely try it out, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in creating something. I'm interested in creating, you know, an engine, a car, like a, a machine that's bigger that if I want to grow it, I can grow it really huge. Or if I want to just like let it run on its own, it can run on its own. So were you living outside the country, you know, for most of this journey? Um, parts of it. So when I first quit my corporate job, the first five years I was working, uh, I actually started a business with my mom where we were selling dance clothing. We were manufacturing and selling dance clothing online. And I would go travel for a few months, come back to the US for a few months. And truthfully, I will say this, if you really want to grow a business, my personal opinion is pick one spot and just stay there until like, cause every time I would move to a new, I lived in Peru for a little bit, Colombia for a little bit, Brazil for a little bit, Argentina for a little bit, traveled around Asia. And I'd probably spend three months in every spot. Cause that's how long a visa is. The problem is by the end of the three months, I found that I'm like, all right, I'm finally in a good flow. Oh, the government says I got to leave. And when I really started to have success, um, was when I first actually moved to Santa Monica and I, I, I'm not, a, this isn't financial advice, but I got an apartment that was a little bit uncomfortable for me. Like I could afford it. I, I had enough money in reserve that I could pay the entire year's worth of rent if I wanted to. But from a, a mental standpoint, it was, I'll just, it was $1,700 a month for a one bedroom. And I'm like, Oh, that's so scary. And for me, that was the best thing I ever did because it was a little bit scary. It forced me to say, all right, I'm not going to go on long extended trips anymore. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to focus. I'm going to grow my business. And then once I got the uh, performance nut butter business going, I'm like, okay, let's go to Italy for a few weeks. Let's go do this for a few weeks. But yeah, I mean, so I, I, I do a decent amount of traveling, but I will say growing a business, it's better to, and for me personally, to stay in one location. Definitely. And in winners, go check out his Instagram. He's posts some pretty epic travel pics from these journeys. You, you visit a lot of places, bro. Yeah. A lot of, uh, Latino countries. Hablas Espanol? Un poco. Okay. Si. okay. Yeah. It used to be better. Okay. Um, when I was living in South America, it got decent yeah. in, and then I forgot a lot. I mean, cause even in, in Mexico, uh, my girlfriend speaks Spanish fluently. Okay. Um, I mean, she's, she speaks English fluently too. She's yeah. American, but you know, she came from, uh, her parents immigrated here. And so nowadays when we travel, I'm like, babe, can you just handle this? Even though I can do it, I just, I'm sometimes I'm just like, I, I don't want to deal with this. So it's gotten a lot worse. I'd like it to get better. Yeah. Well, you just got to be in, uh, in Mexico a little bit more, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, good stuff, man. The, uh, the theme that Keaton and I see a lot when we interview people on, on how winners win is there's usually some kind of adversity, some kind of experience, some moment 
that really changed the tide, right? Maybe it was a moment where you felt like tapping out, a moment that you really, really doubted yourself, just something that, that shaped you. So just kind of looking back at, at your life, you know, can you spot a, a moment where there was like a ton of adversity that was kind of like your, your aha moment that, uh, you know, helped you get to where you are today? I mean, there, there was a few pretty big ones. Uh, I'm a big fan of the hero's journey that like Joseph, you know, Joseph Campbell talks about this. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that mm-hmm. at all. Um, but so one of the, the first moments was when I wanted to quit my job. So, in the, I, you know, I told the short version of my story, but when I first read the four hour work week, I was super excited. I'm like, I'm going to quit this job. But then I went to my family, I went to my friends and everyone's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You've, I was making as much as my dad at the time, you know, my, my dad at the time was in his whatever fifties or something. He's like, dude, you made it. Like, don't, what are you talking about? You're going to go quit your job and try out this entrepreneurship thing. Uh, and that took me months and I ended up going into some pretty, I've never really experienced depression before in my life until that point. And I ended up going into I, what I now know is depression. And it was terrible. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. It was just, I was a shell of myself and it literally felt like every day I would go into work, my soul was being sucked out of me to the point where I just remember every day was both the longest and the shortest day of my life because it, every second felt like an hour. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't even know what I did today. Like this was just a waste. And it took me a long time it took me a long time to get up the courage to quit. And truthfully, it's not even that I had that much courage. It was just either I'm going to be in hell or I'm going to go try this entrepreneurship thing. I mean, that was that was the first one. Uh, another, And then I didn't really talk about this in the story, but it wasn't like, all right, I quit my job and then it was a bunch of success. It was I quit my job, making $80,000 a year. And then my first year as an entrepreneur, probably made like $5,000. I'm like, okay, well, that's not great. Um, luckily, I had saved up some money. I had like probably three years worth of runway. Second year, probably made about $10,000, maybe ten dollars to $15,000. All right, that's still pretty bad. Third year was probably $20,000. Fourth year, uh, $40,000. And it wasn't until my fifth year that I had finally matched my salary for my corporate job. So during that time, I was like, Oh, am I a failure? I even had to move back in. I didn't, I shouldn't say I had to. I ended up moving back in with my parents because I did have that business with my mom. And we had a manufacturing facility or a little like warehouse manufacturing facility in my hometown. So I moved back in with my parents and, you know, that was kind of an ego check. And my dad's like, yeah, I told you, you should have quit your job. But the thing that I didn't realize, and this is at least the case for me, I can't say it's for everybody. But as I was talking about, it's like year five, $80,000. Then year six, I, around that time, I launched the nut butter business and it went up a hundred thousand, it doubled that year. So it was $160,000. And the next year, my YouTube channel started taking off and it was $320,000. And the next year it doubled. And it's like almost every single year doubled. I'm not saying that's going to happen forever, but I think it speaks to the idea that you can have exponential growth when you work for yourself. You can triple, quadruple 10X your income when you work for yourself. When you're working at a corporate job, if you get a 5% raise at the end of the year, it's a big deal. And it's just, and that's not how I, I thrive. I'm the kind of person that I'll work my butt off if there's an incentive, but if there's no incentive, and that's why I ended up getting depressed in my corporate job was it's like, all right, why am I going to work my butt off for you guys? When, if I barely do anything, I'll get a 3% raise. And if I work 80 hours a week, I'm going to get a 5% raise. I'm just going to slack off. And I, (laughs) and I hated that. Like my, my brain's like, dude, this isn't you, but it was just the incentives weren't there. I've had, I'm, I'm, there's been a few more big adversities, but I'll, I, I'll leave it at those two for now. No, those are pretty, pretty big moments when you're like debating on whether you're going to stay in this corporate job that you hate, which a lot of people deal with. You know, a lot of people have that boss that is one comment away from them just saying F it and just walking out. So, you know, for, for them to know that there is something out there on the other side of the, you know, table that's it's it's pretty important and i understand why your youtube caught fire so much because if you're explaining stuff from this perspective it's just relatable dude yeah yeah it's you know i think i talked to a lot of people that end up joining my program and they're like man i don't know anybody else that's an entrepreneur and so i think for them they join partially just so they can interact with me and interact with other people because it can be lonely. I mean, I'm sure you guys have experienced it. It's like, it can be real lonely, especially for me. I would kind of isolate myself and I'm like, I'm just going to work my butt off until I figure this out. But it's like, that's not the best solution. Oftentimes it's better to find other people that are 
doing either that have already done what you've done, find the mentors out there or other people that are doing it at the same time as you actually not, or, and finding other people that are doing it at the same time as you. I think that's real important because otherwise it can be super lonely. And it was for me, you know, no, everyone told me, do not quit your job. And I ended up finding one person that was like, dude, that was doing it. There was an entrepreneur and was like, yeah, man, you should totally quit your job. It's way better. And that was like the, the little bit of courage that also helped me to quit. Yeah. Shout out to the person that told Travis to quit his job. Yeah. Wouldn't be on the show without him. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. owe him. Shut him a beer. Um, but like, so let's talk about, you know, entrepreneurs and relationships. So you mentioned that you got a girlfriend. Um, does she help out with the, the business? You guys in business together? Like, what's it like, you know, being a crazy traveling entrepreneur with all these businesses and YouTubes and also being in a romantic relationship? So shout out to her because I think a lot of my success happened when we started, we started dating and I mean, I could go off on tangents about this. Uh, that was, yeah, there, there, there's so much, um, well, for one, again, it was really lonely for me for a long time. And I think just having that companionship really was nice. Also not feeling that need to go out and date because it's hard, especially when you're struggling as an entrepreneur to go date. It's like, I didn't feel good about myself. I'm like, one day I'm going to be something, I promise. And then to finally, to find someone that just loved me for who I was and how I was doing, I was like, oh, that's really, it's really nice. And actually I'll tell this story because I think it's so indicative of how she helped me. I, there was one Saturday, you know, I I'd work all week long and on Saturdays we'd hang out. Um, and there was one Saturday where I'm like, all right, well, we need to go out. We need to go hike a mountain. We need to go do something. And she's listening to me and I'm like, but I'm burnt out. Right. And she's just looked at me and she said, why don't we just like lay down in bed and watch a movie? I'm like, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. We can't do that. Like we need to be outside. And she's like, let's try it out. And it was like the best thing that had ever happened to me. So she looked like she taught me how to relax because I was using like the yin yang metaphor. I was hundred percent yang all the time. Like just go, go, go. But because I was like that, and I never let myself relax. I burnt, I was burning out constantly. And so she let me just relax a little bit and say, Hey, let's just lay, lay at home, watch a movie. We don't need to, we don't need to go out. We don't need to impress anybody. And I'm like, Oh yeah. In my head, and not that I was trying to impress people by going out climbing mountains or whatever. It was just, this is our, our day off. Like we need to go do something big. And she's like, no, nah, relax, just be instead of trying to do all the time. And so to answer your question, she was actually um, one of my first students. I mean, we, we were dating first and I was selling the nut butter bit, selling the nut butter on Amazon. I'm like, babe, let me teach you how to do this. You got to do this. And you can actually see her product back there. It's um, called Vino Cards. And so it, this is actually a wine tasting flashcards. And this was, she was one of the first people I taught how to do this. And she started making money with it. She quit her job, which was really nice for me because before that, when we tried to travel, she's like, I got to get work off and stuff. And I'm like, you know, come on, let's just go. And so she was able to quit her job and she actually has her own YouTube channel as well. And she's doing, she, she's also smarter about it. Cause this is a good tip. She does dog walking on the side and not because so much the money, but she's just like, I love dogs. I get exercise. And I'm like, that's actually really smart. And she's even looking at working at a coffee shop part-time. I think more just cause she loves coffee and she loves people. And I don't think she has as big of like, my goals are like, I want to do all these amazing big things. And she's like, I just want to enjoy life. And I'm, and so she's kind of given me that part of life and realization. Yeah. The simplicity part. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. I, I can, I can relate to that, man. My, uh, my wife's Filipino. So she's just, just basic, man. Just chill, simple, you know, entrepreneurs were always just, like you said, a million miles an hour, mm-hmm. always trying to scale 10 X. So, um, what were some keys that helped you, you know, from like, I'm thinking about year three, year four, year five, year six, you experienced a lot of growth, right? What were some things that, that worked, you know, to, to help you during those times? So one of the biggest things for me is going out, making mistakes and just learning from them. And that's where I think a lot of the, let's call it exponential growth comes from. It's let's say you try a hundred things out. It's the 80, 20 principle, right? You try out a hundred things, 80 of them, or 20 of them actually work. 80 of them don't even work. 20 of the things work decently well. Um, four of them work really well. And one thing was like, wow, that there's a nugget there. And so then for me, it's like, okay, the next year, let's focus on those 20 things. Let's try to make 
instead of doing a hundred things, let's focus on those 20 things and really double down and figure out what works, what doesn't work. So specifically for me, one of the big things was starting to pay attention and notice patterns. So I noticed, I would talk to a lot of people and this is a, maybe a funny thing. There's probably a better way to say this, but I would talk to people and see who's having success that I think I'm harder working than or smarter than or whatever. Like I, I should, who's having success easier than I think they should. And so I started noticing that. And one thing I noticed was, hey, a lot of people are doing these Kickstarters, these uh, Indiegogos, and they're, they're making a lot of money. And it, it's, it seems a lot easier than what I'm doing. The other thing was Amazon. I noticed that a lot of people were having success selling on Amazon. And I'm like, dude, I knew, I knew one person that didn't really know what he was doing. And he was making, I don't know, whatever, you know, $10,000 a month. And I'd been working at that point for five years. And I'm like, man, why am I working so hard doing this? And it's not even doing as well as the thing that you're barely working on. I could tell just from talking to him. And so I started paying attention to what are those opportunities that are a little bit too easy. And like right now, for instance, I, I don't know if it's still the case. I think it is. TikTok seems to be, seems to be real easy. If you want to get a hundred thousand followers, I mean, I wouldn't recommend Instagram for sure. Maybe YouTube, but it's going to be, you have to do really high quality stuff. TikTok right now is a big opportunity. And I've seen this because I've seen uh, a lot of different people in a lot of different spaces go on with no previous experience. And so that might be one of the next things I go into. So to, to answer your question, I think the biggest thing is just paying attention to those patterns. And, and that's what changed year four. And I had more data to work with. Yeah. Makes sense. Always be learning. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Always I mean, and then taking action, right? Cause if you don't, or if you're not casting enough fishing lines out there, right? I mean, that's basically what you're saying is you put out a lot of fishing lines out there. And if you're only relying on one or two poles with a line, you know, you're, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So Love the way you explained that, man, because uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs just get in their own head and they just think about all over the reasons why they shouldn't do something and, and take action. So uh, I love the way that you you talked about that. Being someone that lived, I was watching one of your YouTube videos. So you lived in Santa Monica and then you moved out to Mexico. And man, isn't it so great, Travis? Like I fed my family of nine. Um, I don't have eight kids or seven kids, guys. Chill. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those guys. But like my sister, my brother, you know, their their kids. There's nine of us. Dude, twenty six bucks to feed all of them and drinks in Mexico, wow. right? Yeah. Like it's, it's it's amazing out there. Crazy. Yeah. So you went from California where it costs money to breathe out there. Mm-hmm. They charge you a dollar for a plastic bag. I think they charge you for shopping carts these days, but anyways, they're charging money left and right. And then you go to Mexico and then you move back to, to California, back to Santa yeah. Monica. Talk, talk to us about that. So yeah, I put a lot of thought into this. I, I went to Puerto Rico. I, I, I traveled to Puerto Rico for a week or two. I had a friend that moved there. And for anyone that doesn't know, if you live in Puerto Rico as a U.S. citizen, you only have to pay 4% tax period. It's federal, state, all that kind of stuff, only 4% versus the probably 50% that I'm paying here in California. And so I went to Puerto Rico and I realized that I didn't love it. And so to me, the big question is, what's the point of making money? And that's, I mean, a a real, everyone's different. What's the point of making money? For some people, it's because they want to leave, you know, generate, they want to leave generations worth of wealth. That's not really me. I don't really care about that. For me, the point of money is to have freedom. It's to be able to do what I want to do. And so I went to Puerto Rico. I'm like, I don't really want to be here. So if I were to live in Puerto Rico just to save money, I'm just back in a prison of my own making. I'm in a, a prison of making, I've, I've had too much success that I'm forced to live in a place that I don't want to live for the money. And so then to me, I'm a slave again to the money. And so then I went to Austin, Texas for a couple of weeks. And I was pretty serious about like, all right, we're going to live in Austin, Texas, save the, in California, I think it's 10 to 13% income tax. Um, And I'm like, okay, that's, that feels like robbery. I don't want to be paying that. So let's go check out Austin, Texas. And it's nice. I like it, but it's ultimately my family and my friends are in Los Angeles. And that's, it's home to me. This is where I grew up and I love it here. And it's just, there's difficult things to explain the, the people, I, I have a lot of common interest. I love the beach. I mean, right now I live across the street from the beach in like the best location I've ever lived in my life, even debatably better than Mexico on the beach. 
And so to answer your question, it's like, well, where do I really want to be? Not where does the money tell me I should be? And it's almost this crazy concept because it's like, if I was only making, you know, $50,000 a year, I'd be like, oh, let's just live in California because that's where I want to be. But now that I'm making a lot more money than that, I feel this pressure to live in a place to save money that I don't really want to do. So to answer your your question, it's like, this is just where I want to be. And that could change. You know, a year or two from now, maybe my goals change. And I'm like, I want to leave generations worth of wealth. And then maybe I go to Puerto Rico and I put all my money. I got some money in Bitcoin and gold, but I put all of it into gold and I bury it. In, and that was kind of my vibe in Puerto Rico is a lot of people are like, let's bury our money in gold and like kind of hoard it. And I'm like, that's cool, but it's just not my goals. Definitely. So want to go back to like your digital nomad years. Like, do you think that going to places where your dollar goes further, do you think that ultimately helped you out financially for those years, you know, like thinking back on it, you know, obviously you're probably spending a little bit more, having a little bit more fun because of the fact your dollar goes further. But in the long run, do you think that that helped out or would you recommend that to, you know, some folks out here that maybe are thinking about that? I needed to do it. Um, I needed to do it because that was kind of my goal. And I almost, I needed to travel and get that out of my system so that I could settle down. I mean, really, if you want your dollar to go really far and you want to have success as early as possible, probably just move in with your parents. I, and when I, when I lived back with my parents, I was paying them rent. They didn't, I didn't have to, but you know, they'd give me, my dad would give me little bits of crap here and there. I'm like, look, here's some money. Like I, I'm not doing this for charity. So I think that it allowed my dollar to go further. It allowed me to have really cool experiences. But I think if I were to, it's, it's a complicated question. Cause I think if I were to just lock myself in a cage at, at my parents' house and just work all the time, maybe I could have got there faster, but maybe not. Maybe I would have just got burnt out more often. So it, it was a, it was really fun experiences, but I'd say if someone's really serious, my advice, I guess would be, be really um, pay attention to what are you trying to do? Are you trying to grow a business or are you trying to travel? If you're trying to do both at the same time, you're not doing a great job at either. Because what I found is when I was working, I was like, man, I'm in Argentina. Let's go, let's go tango dancing. And when I was out tango dancing, I'm like, man, my business isn't where I want it to be. Mm. Now, compared to like now, when I travel, it's I'm traveling. It's fun. And I feel really good about it. And when I'm at home working, I'm working and I feel really good about it. And so I think I had a lot of, and I needed, but I needed to sort that out by living it. And so I had a lot of conflict. And so I think that's just something advice I'd give to people if it resonates with them. Like just be really aware of what are you trying to do and, or get really good at setting the boundaries, you know, from nine to five, even if I'm in Buenos Aires, it's work time. And then after five o'clock, it's party time. I wasn't good at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was actually going to say like, you're really good at being self-aware, like what you were just saying. I think a lot of people can get value from. And then also what I'm gathering from you and you do a really good job of is just owning it. And and what I mean by that guys is, is Travis could easily, and I would say Travis, a lot of people like you that are like, how do I describe it? Like, you know, gurus, people that are on in, in the front stage, have their own events, have their own brand, have courses, have a good, you know, just a good branding. A lot of them are, if you ask them, what do you want to do with your money? It's like, like legacy wealth, you know, generational wealth, like that's kind of like the new, like serial entrepreneur. Like, yeah, it's like, it's the cool thing to say right now. Right. Like, you know, I'm not going to go on the weekends because that doesn't help my generational wealth. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like the cool thing to say. So the fact that you're just like, nah, like that's not me right now. Right. That that's not who I am. That's not what I want. And, and guys pay attention to that because it's okay to just embrace who you are and how you feel and what you want right now. Just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I mean, you know, I don't have kids right now and that maybe that would change when I have kids, but at the same hand, I don't want, I, I don't see a, like, I want to, I want my kids to, you know, go to the best schools, all that kind of stuff, but I don't want to ha- have money for them to do nothing. So it's like, my thing is, I want them to work. I want, I want to make them, I want to help them to get in a position where they can be the best version of themselves. Even if that means that they're just going to be, or not just going to be, even if that means that they want to be a musician and just do uh, and like a penniless musician type person, that's great. But I'm like, I'm not here to buy you a Rolls Royce while you're doing nothing. So, and that's to me sometimes, and I could be wrong, but sometimes when I see the generational wealth people, I see this idea of like, have you guys read history books? Like that doesn't work out well. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, 
I don't know. That's my opinion. Yeah. Travis is like, dude, I lived in my parents' house for a little bit. You can, you know, you can work your way up too, it right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was, I mean, I grew up with a very, you know, we rarely go, I, I like to tell this story. We really went out to restaurants when I was a kid, but when we did, there was half the menu you don't even look at. You don't look at the steaks, <laughs> the fish, the seafood. It's like maybe chicken mm-hmm. and it's like pastas, salads, and that's about it. And I'm already struggling with, man, I'm going to, I'm going to be raising kids eventually that money's not really that big of a deal. And so I feel like I learned a lot of valuable lessons by not having infinite amount of money. And so I don't, I don't want to put my kids in a position where they're like, yeah, I can do whatever I want and money's just free. It's like, no, you have to work for it a little bit here. You know, I'll give you all the advantages I can, but that's my opinion. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, I know you're really about giving back in the sense of providing a lot of free information, right? I mean, your YouTube channel, I'm pretty sure people could just, you know, spend hours on that and spend and, and, and really, um, you know, get a lot of value from it and not have to pay. Right. And obviously the stuff that they pay for, you know, is, is that much more valuable, but you know, where can someone go to get started to just like learn more about you learn more about, I know you've got, I think it's really cool course that you've got, but kind of talk to us about that. Yeah. So travisfreecourse.com. I had to make it a URL that people listening to a podcast could just go type in. So yeah, travisfreecourse.com. It's a complete free Amazon FBA course. And you know, as you mentioned, I do have a, a paid course. And the difference between the free course and the paid course is first off, way more information. It's way more in depth. The free course is, it's like six hours of content. It's still a ton of stuff but the paid one kind of goes into the nitty gritty details. And then on top of that, with the paid program, there's a lot of other benefits like weekly calls with me. You get some one-on-one calls with me. You get access to like a higher level private Facebook group. All that, I won't bore your audience with that. If they're interested, check out the travisfreecourse.com and check out the free stuff first, see if it's interest to you. And then, yeah, I have information in there about uh, joining the passion product formula. And that's one of my big goals actually for this year is I mean, like like you guys said earlier, it's a thousand students in there. And I really, my biggest goal is to make a, a really solid community out of that where we're all helping each other. And that's one of the benefits is when someone launches a business in that group, everyone goes out, not everyone, but a lot of the people go out and they buy the product, leave that five-star review. Nice. And that's what I, like, yeah. I thrive off that community. I didn't have that yeah. throughout most of my entrepreneurship career. And it's like, I want to, and I'll say this too, because of the way I grew up, I was so cheap. I was always like, I'm not going to pay money to learn this stuff. I'm going to learn everything on my own. And it's in retrospect, it's like, dude, just give someone, give someone a thousand bucks to shortcut your results. And yeah. like the, I made tens of thousands of dollars worth of mistakes because I was too cheap slash arrogant to like get the help. Obviously, yeah. look, not everyone can afford that stuff. That's why I got TravisFreeCourse.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good there stuff. we go. And I'll all be in the show notes winners to make sure you check that out. Yeah. Awesome. His uh, YouTube channel will be there. The uh, URL to access the course will be there. Uh, like Kita was saying, he's got some really cool pictures on Instagram that will be there. So everything about Travis guys will be in the show notes. So definitely go support him, go check his stuff out. And uh, Travis, man, it's been a, a really good conversation with you. I appreciate you taking us through your journey. And uh, I feel like you're just getting started though, man. Like I can just see it There's in your face. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, winners, go support Travis. If you are one of those people that have been listening to us every single week and you have not left a review, shame on you. Like when you look in the mirror, I don't know how you can be okay with yourself. So if you haven't left a review, give Keaton and I some love. Give us that five-star review on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Go support our brother, Travis. And we will catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace.